You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. The Giants fall to Cowboys on opening night, Sunday night football, 40 to nothing. One of the worst games I've ever witnessed. One of the worst games statistically in Giants history. Cranky Fan, how's it going? I want to jump right to stars and farts, and I want to give a star, actually. I want to give a star to Delta Airlines. In their infinite wisdom, they canceled my flight coming back from Gainesville back to uh, New York yesterday. So thanks to Delta, I was not in attendance for that disgrace. So kudos and stars to Delta Airlines. I recommend them. You know, they don't sponsor us, but I love you. That's that's all I can say on the good side of this. Now we'll spend the next hour talking about farts i'm right there with you so i'm wearing uh this john boy media shirt that was given to me by justin pennick he's getting a star that was the best part of my night um just got just got a t-shirt for being there uh which was cool he's the best um before we get into this whole game and everything that goes with it i don't want to delay too long because this is going to be a miserable show let's pop right into the fact that the just giants game coverage of week one sunday night match between the dallas cowboys and new york giants is brought to you by zigmeister brewing at no expense to them why are we advertising a beer for no money that's because they're a relatively small company that makes a quality product and deserve advertising by word of mouth by their satisfied customers a situation that's not completely unlike this podcast so just like this Except for the quality part that's all they have the quality <laughs> um so if you're at the store and you're wondering what beer to get, if you see Zigmeister, give it a shot. I am giving it my actual recommendation. This is not a paid thing. And the next time a friend of yours asks you for a good Giants podcast or just for anything like that, something they want to listen to, please give us a shout out. You guys are our loyal listeners. Let's make a couple more. That being said, uh, so you missed the game. That was unfortunate because I had to toil in misery. Um I I I was able to corral a friend last minute. Yeah, so I was stuck in Atlanta. So thanks to uh, the cranky sister, I get to stay at her place. Shout out to her. Watch on her nice couch. And nice and dry, the, huh? Yeah. The, the best thing about her apartment or her house is that it wasn't raining. Oh, she has a roof. She has a roof. Oh, yes, interesting. Which would really be nice because uh, a good friend of mine was in Minnesota this weekend and said this is the nicest. Maybe not only football stadium, but stadium is urban to period. I'm like, well, look above you. They have this contraption called a roof, which would be pretty fantastic. But no. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple grievances right off the bat before we get into specifics. Um, this game was an unmitigated disaster. This game absolutely was a shit show. Um, as miserable as this show is going to be, I'm going to give the caveat that the moment that first of all it didn't rain, it rained at 9 a.m. by me. Uh, downpour for about 30 minutes and then it stopped and at six o'clock when i was in the tailgate there was bright blue skies it had not rained since then at eight o'clock we started getting some dribble drizzle and by 8 20 it was downpouring 
Now, if you had told me that it was going to rain like that, I could have told you this would be a bad loss. This bad? No. But it wasn't going to go well. We're not built to win like that. Um, that being said, this stadium needs a roof. And I'm sick of hearing the... I, I, somebody said, it's like, oh, this will this stadium will get a roof when Lambeau gets a roof, when Soldier gets a roof. No. No. Getting a roof allows the stadium to be used for millions of things beyond football because there already is, but they can't use it in the middle of winter for concerts or things like that. So there's an investment reason beyond that. Um, nevertheless, I mean, griping about a roof is kind of useless because it's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but here's what I'm actually mad about. Can we stop with this blue out thing? I, I, so last year, Giants-Cowboys was a whiteout. We wore our color rush uniforms, and we were asked to wear white. Do you know why that works? Because Cowboy fans show up in white uniforms. So it worked. We do this blue out. Did it look blue to you on TV in the stands? This is what you're mad about? <laughs> no, no I, I, I didn't even notice. I didn't even know there was a blue out, to be very honest. That's I mean, my point. So, so, I would have worn my customary Sims jersey anyway, so... I'm making my way down the list of complaints. Right off the bat, we're trying to... I, if this is going to be a night game, Giants-Cowboys, don't try and elevate it to anything. You know why? While our good friends in Section 124 did show up to this game, the majority of season ticket holders don't give a fuck. They don't care. They want to make money. We were surrounded by Cowboys fans on opening weekend in September. There is no—if you can't go to that night game, you will not go to any— I don't even care. If that game's 1 o'clock, I have a feeling that 50% of those people who sold their tickets are still selling them anyway. They are just looking to make money. So don't make this game into a blue out or some fan thing. It's not going to happen. You know why? Because the season ticket holders for this team suck. They well, suck. First of, all, first of all, this is the NFL and this is New York. I mean, that is Bush League shit that Orlando does. No, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think it's a real thing that can happen. It's this this game, it won't happen. It's never gonna happen because Dallas, New York is always gonna sell at triple the price. Always. And there are too many people that aren't even interested in going to begin with. If you can't go to opening night on an exciting team, you you weren't planning on going anyway. Right? I I, I this I completely agree with you. And it's really a you know, they'll never do it, and I would never actually advocate it because I have season tickets to a lot of teams, and I sell a lot of tickets. But, you know, if you are a season ticket holder and you are having it just to make money, you, you know, you should have your tickets revoked. At the very least, you should lose your privileges for, like, playoff games or getting into the lottery for Super Bowl tickets or, or anything, any of the privileges that come with being a season ticket holder. I mean, you really do – you're doing a disservice – um, you know, to your fellow fans. And I know other, you know, we could say the same thing about every other fan base also, but it just seems pretty bad here. Now, I was watching the game on TV, and when Chris Collinsworth wasn't chuckling his ass off before he says any single word, you know, you could hear, there's some Cowboy fans. It wasn't like, you know, when the, you know, the Yankees come down to the trop to play the Rays or anything where it's all Yankee fans. I mean, it was, you know, a... A dull roar of cowboy fans, but as you got to like you know the third and fourth quarter, it was ridiculous because the only ones left in the building. But it didn't sound on TV like a you know a fifty fifty split or anything. But you're saying it was pretty bad where we were. So I made a promise because we do rag on this a lot. I made a promise to our friends in one twenty four to to start this podcast by saying that they were there. 
They showed up. They sat in the rain. Our buddies. Props to to Bruce and and Ron and Gary. Good job, guys. You guys, you're the real deal. These guys have been season ticket holders since they had leather helmets, and they've been through everything. You know, they told us all the war stories and stuff, and we, you know, that's how we become better Giant fans from learning from these guys with the bad times and the good times. So, but but they they will advocate for me that the end of that row and next to me on my left and in front of me it, it, if you can't go to this game then just don't have se- just sell them to somebody who wants them i'd almost rather have the jets problem where they don't have enough season ticket holders because you know who buys them actually wants to go well i got a question okay how come the only people who buy tickets on the secondary market are cowboy fans where are all these giant fans that you know, they're not willing to spend the same amount of money. They're not willing to spend the same amount of money because you have a visiting team fan. They only come around to your state once a year. Right, but this is the biggest game of the year. I, I am. And this is the most. This is one of the most anticipated home games we've had in several years. I don't know and what to tell you. It's ridiculous that every ticket that was on the secondary market is all from some meathead from North Jersey who sounds like Tony Soprano. And is wearing a Tony Romo jersey. It's bullshit. So those are my my big qualms. I'm sick. Like next year, if they try and elevate a night game with Dallas into something, like just don't bother because our fans don't care. Our season ticket holding fans don't care. They don't care. So uh, I'm just I'm leading with that because that's frustrating. And it was the first thing I noticed when I got off the train. You could tell right away that there was not a lot of blue. It just wasn't. There were tons of people just like there were just Cowboys fans everywhere. It was not even close to some kind of crazy blue out thing. Anyway, well, it's really stupid because both teams are blue and white too. Anyway, it's it's really dumb. I mean, but but like Cowboy plays Tennessee. That's like wear blue because there's no blue in Tennessee. But for this, it's kind of it's stupid. It's are you really sure? Dumb. Really it's, think about it. It's amateur hour. It's not amateur. I think it's a really cool thing. No Cowboys fan owns the blue jersey. Like that is like that is not. It's actually, it's actually the cooler jersey if you ask. Me. I, I agree with you, but uh, it's yeah. not the common one at all. Right, no, not at all. Right. So when we did the whiteout last year, it almost worked because you couldn't tell the difference. They I also advertised res- it better. I used to respect Bill Parcells because you know there were a few times we wore white at home to make them wear. We did it literally last year. Yeah, Sun Tzu, man. Um, you irritate your opponent. So from the top down, so that's that's like a front office thing that frustrated me. Moving down to the next rung of that ladder is coaching, and if you ask me. This team looked unprepared. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that's not a scalding hot opinion, but I I don't like preseason games, but I think that there was a structure that we understood with four preseason games in the past. It was almost like you could count on it. You could set your watch to how many snaps the starters got on every single team in the league for all th- all four preseason games. And that third preseason game, they would play three quarters. This was not that long ago. I'm not talking about 2001. This is like 2011 shit. Not even. This is like 2016 shit. We only just got the new game and then reduced preseason game. To me, this is what it looks like when you treat the preseason like practice and guys don't get reps. There's a ton of things we're going to get into, but in general, they looked out of sync. They looked out of sync. They looked disjointed. There were bad decisions being made. I thought there were some bad coaching decisions being made in-game. So they looked unprepared to play, and that is all on coaching. Yeah, let me me, me launch into mine. Go ahead. That's it. That's what I got. So 
I mentioned that, you know, my, my flight was canceled because I was in Gainesville this weekend and Florida played McNeese. And you're all asking, what is a McNeese? McNeese is an FBS school. It is tiny. The, the quality of player, the athlete, the talent between a McNeese and a University of Florida, you know, and insert your joke all you want about us being shitty this year. But the fact is they they are in a power five conference with elite athletes in there is incredibly great. You will see on almost every play run from scrimmage, an offensive line of Florida just just blowing up a defensive line from McNeese and, and vice versa when we're on defense every single play. The talent gap is so much bigger when you see these college matchups than the NFL. The NFL, the talent gap is not that great. Now, the individual matchups that may be bad may be a problem, but overall, the worst NFL team and the best NFL team, that gap is not that great. And to lose this way, to look this, and I'm going to jump even more on what you were saying. I'm going to go even further. I don't think it's necessarily being unprepared because they, the team wasn't playing in preseason because almost everybody's doing that now. I just think this thing was was so unprepared from a from a coaching and a schematic standpoint that you know we had no answers from the very very beginning and we could make no adjustments as we were going. And if you know me from this show, from Twitter, from my old Gator podcast, just knowing me as a person, you know I am always a lot harder on players than I am coaches. I usually fall back to players got to play. And there was poor play, you know, all over the place last night. But to me, that was a game on coaching. If this team, you know, forget not being prepared for the first three preseason games and playing guys limited reps. It looked like there was zero film study on what Dallas was trying to do. It looked like, I, I don't, just a, a completely unprepared team. And that's what's so frustrating. Now, we're not going to talk about firing anybody or this or, you know, questioning our lives and last year was a complete mirage. No, that, that That's all silly. It's, it's a week one. We're not going to get crazy. But it was a very, very, very disappointing job by this coaching staff to have not have this team ready to play. And I'm very, very – I was sick last night. You know, I had the same sickness – 12 days ago in Florida looked as unprepared against Utah is how badly um, the Giants looked last night. And it's one of those, it makes you question everything. And, you know, I, I don't know, just really, really aggravated. So, <coughs> whoa. <coughs> so I'm going to agree with you on, on a couple things here. Um, I'm putting a lot of this squarely on the coaches, but I'm not going to put all of it because players no, do have to play, play. And we're exactly. going to get into which players played worse than others, but a lot of them played bad. Um, you did say one thing is that we're not going to talk about firing anybody. Uh, I'm going I'm going to say one one person. I know you're going to say, and it's fine. Because it's not, it's not the result of one night's performance. We are now talking about over a couple of seasons, and my right. guess would be the special teams coach. That's correct. I'm going to say Thomas McGahey. Um, I know this has been a popular thing, and I haven't loved him or anything like that, but I mean, I, I do understand that having bad rosters for the last six years means your special teams, who are going to be your 50th through 53rd guys, are, you know, they're playing on special teams. That's always on him to do better. Um, so 
in all those years that we were a bad team anyway, it's not like the special teams was the thing keeping us from the playoffs or anything like that. We were a bad team, and you had a coach doing the best he could. I watched that blocked field goal. Um, for one, it looked like Josh Azudu didn't even move, uh, and then he just sort of shoved a guy. The whole right side of that line, a guy came in, the guy who blocked it was completely unblocked. That is the first special team snap, other than your kickoff return, of the season. And there's an unblocked guy on the right side of the line and another dude doesn't even move. Is I don't know how that's not on coaching. And I, I know that players got to play and a player missed that block or missed an assignment or something like that. But to be not prepared for a field goal is horrendous. Now, I'm also going to place a small caveat here. I think that John Fossil is the best special teams coach in the league. And I'm not savvy enough with special team schematics to know if he did something kind of screwy with the alignment that was really clever. Uh, but even if he did, I'm not, I don't care. Like you said, it's been several seasons. I think the time to move on from McGahee was probably two years ago. Now it's past time. We can we can move on at the end. There must be another bet. I don't care how, if he's so respected around the league, then we can, we. I will take that, that, irony when we get kicked out of the playoffs because of a special teams play from another team that he's coaching fine i'll eat my words then fine, he'll get another job somewhere if he's so respected he'll get another job and you know he won't be on the unemployment line good for him i don't care about respect i care about results and not so here's the other thing too that was bad for a number of reasons falling behind that early that being returned for touchdown graham gano got cleated on that play mm-hmm. which is why he missed the field goal in the at the very end of the first half and, like, completely missed it. He had to go into an x-ray room. So, I mean, thankfully, everything we've heard so far is that he's okay. Um, but that was the result of that play. Not only did you leave points on the board because of stupid shit, you got a guy who just signed an extension hurt. Well, if we want to talk about hurt, I mean, the other major story, and, you know, was obviously why... Why are guys like Daniel Jones playing in a 40-point deficit when you're down to your third-string left tackle? And this is something, you know, we we destroyed this coaching staff last year when Adoree Jackson was going to return punts, and sure enough, he got hurt. And this is another example of just – it's this – I don't know if it's just a, a macho thing or trying to – measure how big your crank is or or what or just an extremely poor attempt at motivation for your team but i'm sorry you, you just mentioned we just paid someone a lot of money we just paid how much money to daniel jones to be our cornerstone franchise guy and you have him you know andrew thomas got hurt He was obviously not playing well because he was hurt he comes out um bringing back up left tackle he gets hurt and you still have him out there? Is that, is that insanity? I don't understand it. And it is, it's pre- the presser, you know, oh, well, uh, trying to get a spark and, and on a positive. Are you adding – that's the stupid shit Rex Ryan used to do. That's how he got his quarterbacks killed in preseason because it was so important to beat the Giants in a preseason game. That's – I mean that's an extreme stretch what you just did. I'm just going to point Why? that out. Because one of them was a preseason game and one of them's a regular season game. That down, that right there is worth fifty percent. I didn't like say that. Is ridiculous. I didn't say you were wrong. I didn't say you were wrong. But that is not even close to just as stupid. He put him back in that game to win a preseason game. There, I don't think anything stupider has ever happened in football. Um, 
But I agree with you. Um, there was a I, I understand starting the second half down 33 or whatever. Maybe it was 26 still at the half. It was 26 and that, that okay. I, I understand wanting to, first of all, the second half. You have half of football to play. You're down four scores. You know, they scored two super easy without even really trying. Uh, so yeah, anything can happen. So obviously start the I second half. But what I'm saying, I understand at 40 points down. I mean, you just have a guy taking hits for no reason. He was taking hits all night. And was, yeah. And it was getting worse and worse. And I swear I was watching like this with my eyes, like they can barely see. Cause I was, I was scared for the guy. I mean, it was that bad. I mean, we've been complaining about this offensive line for years. We were saying our biggest concern. We both agreed was depth at tackle. And then we have, Here we, you know, were. we have, we have guards playing left tackle, and just getting, you know, it was tee off on the quarterback day for Dallas, and I, I just don't understand it. And that's, you know, that's twice the the, the judgment of, you know, if you're going to be so concerned about these guys in preseason that you're not going to play them, so they're not ready for week one, you better have that same level of concern when the game basically turned into a preseason game Thank in the you. fourth quarter. Thank you. That's what I was saying about the preseason. Don't like get it. The, the, the the amount of bubble wrap that's put on them for preseason is like they're it's not even worth it. Don't even put them in in preseason because they're clearly not getting enough time to look put together. So let's let's move to the offense. I'm going to I'm not going to like harp on it, but like I'm going to I'm going to dial back a little bit here because okay. um I don't think anyone needs to, you know, be told that this game was horrendous. Um but you know, it was absolutely pouring rain, and I don't know about you because I know you were kind of scrambling trying to find planes and stuff, but I was watching Cleveland-Cincinnati, and everyone in that game looked bad too, except for Deshaun Watson had a couple moments, but Joe Burrow didn't look very good in that game either, and it was it was, it was pouring rain. I got to be honest with you, I didn't think the defense played so bad in this game. We'll get to the defense in a little bit, but offensive line. Uh, so the passing game, you, you, okay. Opening drive was not bad. I had no issues with the opening drive, I don't think. In fact, I think you can say it was pretty much solid up until the Andrew Thomas false start was immediately followed by the botched snap by Daniel Jones, which was immediately followed by the blocked field goal. And things just spiraled out of control from there. Once they started playing from behind, because in that opening drive, they ran the ball a lot. And a lot of times that they dropped back to pass, which is another thing that which I wish I had said this on the podcast. I was saying it as we were walking in. One of the most successful plays, as Justin Pennick likes to say all the time, in the NFL is a quarterback scramble where he's legitimately looking for a pass and finds a running lane because everyone's back is to him. They're not accounting for him in that situation. So we were running the ball really well on that opening drive. Once we were down two scores, we started dropping that to really try and throw the ball and get chunk plays. That's when they started teeing off, and it was like a sack every three plays. Um, also, and also too, when the uh, when the score on all of a sudden was thirteen nothing too. That's that's exactly what I just said. Yeah. Um, along the offensive line, um, everyone looked bad. John Michael Schmitz blocked pretty well, but his snaps were low, way too often. Too many times we had Daniel Jones picking the ball up off of his laces. Uh, Evan Neal, I mean, what hasn't already been said? He was very slow out of his stance, still getting beaten around the end. And then when he tried to jump out really fast, he just got clowned on the inside. 
Where he's just, I mean, there were just a ton of plays where if you're facing the quarterback, you've screwed up. Yeah. And that happened and a also, lot. And also, if you're just standing there looking at the quarterback. Right. Just standing there. That means you probably did something wrong, too. Mark Lewinsky can only run block. He's useless otherwise. He's not a bad run blocker, so I, I hate shitting all over him. But he's also the veteran free agent that was signed by this regime. So he needs to be better than just a run blocker. Uh, I thought Ben Bredesen was okay. Um, he might have actually been the culprit on that blocked field goal. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, and Andrew Thomas was playing fine until he got hurt on the interception. Uh, the Saquon Barkley popped up interception. He tried to chase it down. You could see him just fall. Clearly got hurt. It's a hamstring. We didn't go over the injuries. Uh, I mean, I pretty much said him. Andrew Thomas had the yeah. hamstring. He's getting on rise. I don't believe we have any prognosis yet. Graham Gano is a lower leg. He got cleated. He seems fine. Uh, he got x-rays, and he's clear. Um, so everyone on the offensive line played pretty badly. Um, I didn't think the run blocking was all that bad, but once they became run- one-dimensional, they were just they were just bad. And it wasn't limited. Daniel Jones didn't look good. Nobody looked good. Daniel Jones was a little bit behind. He had some bad... The, the second interception is 100% his fault. That was stupid. Oh, God. That, that was, was really... I'm not even sure it was actually an interception. We just seemed to run with that. I... You know, I didn't think the replay was that conclusive, but either way, there was a holding call. I don't really just throw it away. You're out of the pocket. What are you doing? Yeah, You're out of I, the pocket. Just fling it. It just has to get past the line like of scrimmage. That's a frustration play where I have to make a play because this is going downhill. And the worst thing you can do is in desperation forcing a play. And that's you know, I mean the good the one thing we can say about Daniel Jones is it, like the mental mistakes that have really gone down in you know this you know this phase of his career. So. Maybe we chalked that off to that was a one-off, but that was that was you know shit flows downhill and it was flowing at a rapid pace at that point where nothing was going right physically or mentally for anybody. Um, there were a couple really good plays. Uh, there was a fourth and five conversion where Jones scrambled out of the pocket and hit Waller. So it was a it was a good heads up play. He was kind of running away from pressure. He kept his eyes downfield because he was not going to be able to run for it. He saw Waller, who made a nice catch and got upfield. There, there was some good plays, but there was also some, you know, even just routine ones where he had Jalen Hyatt open over the middle and he threw it behind him. And yeah. it still hit Hyatt in the hands, so he should have caught it. So everyone's to blame. Nobody played well in this game on offense. Nobody. Oh. I, I really don't oh. think there was anybody I can actually say they had a good game. I guess the question with the offensive line really is how much of it do you attribute to, you know, in no particular order, tough conditions, a very bad matchup against a very good defense, lack of talent. So um, once I knew that this was going to be a rain game, this was going to be the problem. If we have to drop back, we have slick ball. I mean, like, if we were going to throw on this team, it was going to be coming off of play action. It was going to come off of a good running game. And it was, you know, there was going to be some DJ scrambles in there, and he was going to have to make some tight window. Th- You're not making enough tight window throws in the rain. Not like it was raining, uh, like it was it was buckets at certain points. So once I knew that, I already knew it was going to be a shit show. Um, and like there were some sacks that was like, yeah, Evan Neal got beat around the edge, but then Daniel Jones slipped when he was planting, so he could have probably gotten away from that. And we would have all been like, yeah, Evan Neal had a bad game, but we would have forgotten about it if we won. And things like that happened, and Jones was able to escape. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it was just a comedy of errors. Uh, I'm going to chalk it up to, we know the offensive line isn't good. Uh, We know that they played one of the best defenses in the NFC, right? I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, 
I would say they're they're like a top five NFC defense, maybe even top three. Um, well, it, it, it's a top five defense, but what they do best, we do the worst against. A hundred. It's a terrible matchup for us. It's a terrible. But matchup if you for us, but if you look at that opening drive when we were able to run the ball, we could move the ball. We were blocking blocks. We were making people move. There were some seven yard runs on that opening drive. It was the moment. The moment that we no longer had a run game, that this was just a... They weren't even trying to play defense. They were just rushing everybody. Yeah. They really were. So, you know, that was great one drive, but, you know, that's one drive. And I, and I, get, I get your point, too, but I'm, I'm not going to get totally, really, really excited about one drive. Who the hell... Do I sound excited to you? No, 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 no. I mean, even, like, I, 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 I hear what you're saying about, you know, the, the first drive was nice, but I'm almost even like, okay, well... No, you're misunderstanding. My point is, is that there was a potential for it to be at least a game, if they were. But once they fell behind thirteen nothing and they had to start throwing, I could have told you right then it was going to be awful. You know what I mean? Like, if you were, if you were going to tell me it's like, well, what do you think will happen if it's a raining game and they just fall behind thirteen nothing? I'd be like, they they might get shut out. That, that might. Really, that is really that is the state of this, you know, team right now. You know, that's where we are after week one in year two of the rebuild is the fact that this team, if they are down 13 points, the game is pretty much over. And that's where, you know, we've made some nice additions, you know, for, for receivers and tight ends. I don't totally agree with that. In this matchup, I agree with that against, sorry, that, you know, that's all nice and that's all good, but this rebuild has to really happen. Once this offensive line has five studs on it. And right now we have one, we have a center who we think will be pretty good. And that's basically it. And until that's Andrew taken Thomas. care of, this is still going to be a rebuild. If you want to consider yourself to be a serious contender in this league, I mean, we're going to play teams, you know, we're not, we, we still have to face San Francisco. You know, we have to face some teams, with some really good pass rushers coming up. And, yeah, there'll be teams that won't be as, you know, dominating up front or anything, and we'll do okay. But until we get that line fixed up, it doesn't matter who we have out there. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who we have Saquon Barkley. It's going to be a major, major problem on this team. And that's why, you know, this rebuild – that's why we shouldn't give up on this because this is year two of a rebuild. We said it, we said it off season. We tried to say, you know, we have expectations now. We're very excited about this year. We're in the playoffs. But we're doing it at the same time as we're still rebuilding. We need to rebuild for depth, and we also need to rebuild for that line. And we just saw how far away we are with that line still has to go. So, I mean, I, I think they have two solid pieces there with Thomas and Schmitz. I think that Bredesen is probably a quality guard. Um, he shouldn't be the third best guy on your line. But Neil and Glowinski are a clear problem, and they're right next to each other. So it's it's awful. Um, I think getting getting that right side sorted out is the difference between this team being something and this team just kind of being a wild card team or whatever you want to call that. But I mean, I I don't think that falling behind thirteen nothing on two two literally two fluky plays at that really? point. That's all that was at that point. That's all that had really happened was two fluky plays. Right. Yep. Against most teams. They're probably okay to hang around against this particular team in this matchup where you have a pass rush heavy team where that's the strength of the entire team. 
we're, that's a that's a game we won't win. We won't be able to do that against San Francisco. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, if we're playing Chicago, there we could with three and a half quarters left. Yeah, I'm not that worried about being behind thirteen nothing. It's possible. Um, but um, I'm going to flip to the defense, and I'm going to start with some good. Um, I didn't think the defense played bad. I think that things fell apart in the second half when the game was completely out of reach. Uh, and the, I would say the game was out of reach before the second half. But, you know, for being the what's the biggest problem, is it the O-line or is it rookie corners kind of question that we had going into the season, uh, we played Dallas, who has a great defense, and everyone likes to talk about Dak Prescott and his weapons. I thought Banks and Hawkins played pretty well. I thought Jackson was the one who had the tough day. He also had a lot of slipping and falling. Um, but I, I think Jackson was probably the one who got abused the most. Um, if, if you remember what I said a couple of weeks ago, that you know my big concerns for this year is going to be the growing pains of having those rookies out there. Um, this was, I think, I think last night was the best case scenario. Like they played pretty well. You're going to have to live with the fact that they are going to have penalties. And as they learn the game and as they, you know, in, you know, their technique gets better. And quite honestly, once they get a little more respect from the officials too, not being rookies, but you know, my fear is going to be that they're going to get called, you know, they're going to be out of, still out of position and stuff and they're going to get called for PIs and, and, and holdings and things. But so wait, wait, I, I want to, I want to ask your opinion. Uh, so we were there. Or I was, I was there. I rewatched the the game. Um, the Trey Hawkins. So that first half, the only time Cowboys really moved down the field happened on like a forty yard third and twelve bomb that Prescott threw without looking, and Trey Hawkins got a DPI. Now I'm not going to deny that he wasn't there early. Put hands on him. It wasn't much, but it was enough. But also that pass was not six feet over his head. I it's. As soon as he had his arms, I went shit even before I saw the flag. Yes, but again, DPI doesn't actually count if the pass is uncatchable. And that flag came out before – I don't know. All things considered, like, there was at least a chance that that wasn't even going to get called. And not for nothing, but Dallas didn't really move the ball with their offense in the first half other than that drive. Yeah, the, not really. No. No, the other times they had the blocked field goal, they had the pick six, and then they had the interception – that Daniel Jones threw, they, they were already on the 40-yard line. They were inside the 40. I think they were like the 38. So they didn't have to go very far. Yeah, the, the defense, you know, that's cool. You're going to look at that score and be like, oh, my God. They, you know, you know, and again, it was a, it was a fillet fest of Dak Prescott, you know, for the announcers, but he was average. I mean, he really was, you know. What was his stat that, line? I don't think his stat line was good. That was just, yeah. And again, you know, if we want to say, well, it was raining, we could say the same thing on their side too. But there was that was not a game that was won because you know, no, not Dad at all. The great was orchestrating these, you know, their, their their run game wasn't imposing their will. These guys weren't getting wide open all over the place out in this, you know, out in space. It just they, it just became very efficient. But that's all they really had to do as well. You know, they they could park the bus once it was they were thirteen nothing, and then it was, you know. Dak Prescott didn't even throw for 150 yards. He, he threw for 143. So, yeah, no, Dak Prescott had little to nothing to do with this victory. Um, I thought the defense played pretty well. I'm, I'm confident that they'll get their shit together. 
Uh, I didn't think it was yeah. all that screwed up. I mean, the, the biggest screw up in the first half was I. Th- it's hard to tell, but there was a bunch formation. It looked like Jason Pinnock either collided with Adoree Jackson or they both tried to cover the same guy, and somebody was wide open. But Xavier McKinney came flying over to prevent that from being a complete disaster, um, and he didn't make the tackle, but he forced the run back inside. Everybody caught up. It was an instant mistake and recognition, and what, I, I just can't tell if it was a mental mistake or they actually bonked into each other. But I did not, in my list of things that aggravated me, um, defense was not one of them. I mean, it, it wasn't because it was again you're behind the eight ball, and yeah. again I think they played. I thought they played they, fine. They played fine, yeah. I mean, considering that you're already down. I mean, remember, this is a deep defensive team. Defensive players can barely do anything anymore. They, they touch a quarterback in the head, and it's a 15 yard penalty and an automatic first down. You know, Deontay Banks got a illegal contact penalty where I, I thought was kind of ticky tack myself. No matter how you want to look at it, I mean, jammed him right at the line of scrimmage. They were just kind of hand battling the whole way down. Whatever. They called um, the. They called the late hit on Dallas in that first drive too. It's fifteen yarder, which was kind of. Um, I mean, it kind of looked like Jones was already sliding, yeah. and he kind of looked like he teed off on his head. I had, I didn't really take notice when I rewatched on the broadcast, but live that looked pretty brutal. Um, but I also I admit that live I don't have the best view of stuff like that. Um, so. The best thing you can do to help your defense is have a good offense. I mean, once once a defense is playing from behind. It's it's really hard because they're already playing with one arm behind their back because of the rules. Um, so let me, let me ask you a question real, real quick before yeah. you get into this. You're down thirteen nothing. Do you think it was too early to give up on the run? I don't think that they. I don't think that they, I, they, I, they I like, like on that. Getting back to that first drive, I kind of like what they were doing because. You know they were coming with a pass rush, at, you know, pretty in that first drive, and it seemed like they were off balance a little bit with, with the play calling with the running game. So I was, it seemed like thirteen, seemed like a little bit of like a, you know, what we this team, what this team is going to do best is run the ball. It's going to be getting the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands as much as you can, and then you know also you know. You think so? I think that sets up everything else. You know, I think Waller is, you know. If, if Barkley's one, Waller's one A to B, you know, to to two. But you mean Barkley as a runner is going to be one A? No, no. Uh, Barkley's yeah. Barkley running the ball, I think, is if we can't run the ball, this team is kind of done. Like you I don't said. see. I don't. I don't. I don't think that at all. I think no, in I this. Do. I, I see. I think this game. This team is built for the quick game. But in the rain, you can't really. That's that's how you get interceptions. You know the the. The the quick passes going right through hands is like that's how you just get picked off constantly. So in the rain, I wouldn't have recommended that. But I think generally speaking, the way this team is designed with five slot receivers and Darren Waller, and then you got the deep shot guy and and Saquon Barkley in general as a skill set. I think your your quick game is your bread and butter, and then your oh, running see, game I, right off of that. See, I think all that is predicated off the ability to you know. Get Barkley moving, get him going. I like, I like the game plan on that first drive. I thought it was great. You know, you text me like this is the best drive we've had forever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. in that scenario, I agree with you. In the rain, where you can't do a quick game, but I think generally speaking, they're not going to be able to run like that, like constantly. The, I mean, I mean, unless it's a lesser of two evils with this offensive line. We, we, you know, we, we ticked off everybody. Like even Evan Neal, 
does a better job of run blocking. He's atrocious oh, pass blocking, yeah. but he's a run blocker. You know, it, yeah, it but I mean, quick it. quick game are like two step drops. That's you shouldn't be getting sacked on two step drops. They just they didn't do any of that no. in this game. No, they didn't. So, um, I mean, w- there's plenty of time, and we both could be right too. I mean, this is the kind of thing mm-hmm. where I'm sure they have game plans for everything. But um, well, I guess let's let me ask you now. The question is, how much of what we saw last night is just you know something perfect storm of everything going bad? as opposed to any real concerns you have going forward in at least the short to intermediate term. So this is where I think the first game of the year overreaction has hit everyone, including the media. Sure. Um, Like I said, the defense did not play bad. Dak Prescott didn't even throw for 150 yards. Uh, They really did not impose their will as an offense. Uh, And it's also not like... I, I, I just... I don't know how you write... If you were going to script in Hollywood a worst opening drive, you'd have the Jets opening drive. And that's about it. Um, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, and and that is not taking the slightest bit of responsibility off of anyone from the front office down to the coaching staff down to the players. Everyone is to blame for the performance that was put on out there. But the exacerbation of that, you know what I mean? Like just the, the 40 to nothing of that all is a little bit inflated. Um, remember also like th- there is a certain point where you get behind so much. This team is not built to come back ag- against this defense. That's what I'm saying. Like this defense is, they would have to be going back and forth to stay in the game. It's just, they have to be on their heels. They have to be afraid of the big play because one, one big play for the giants will, will tie the game or something like that. If they can play without that, without impunity, there's no chance. So and we've been we've been watching football long enough, and everybody who listens to this is watching it long enough to know that everything is not in a vacuum. Like every individual play, every series is not in a vacuum. You know, there is you can't quantify it, but momentum is a thing. And you know, the the Cowboys, you know, the momentum changed just like that, and it started with the false start, then the bad snap, and then the block punt, uh, the, the 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 block field goal. Boom, 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 boom. And I wasn't in the building. You were. Did it feel like all of a sudden, like somebody just slashed the tires? Yeah. And all the air came out. Yes. And then right off of that, then all of a sudden, the worst case scenario, Jones throws. I'm not even calling that a, a pick, because I know everybody was salivating about. The, and I we talked about it last week. Like when's that graphic going to come up with showing all the uh, the turnovers of Daniel Jones? That's not an interception. That's no, but he more ball. than made up for it with that second one. That okay. one was so I bad. Get that. But, you know, in the context of right after they score that, that one touchdown, it just bad luck. And that, all of yeah. a sudden, another touchdown. And it, it just momentum and, you know, shit flowing downhill. And there's nothing you can do. So what's happening in that thing, it's, it's not like that has to take something into account for how all this happens. Like if you played it again, would all that stuff happen again if you didn't sequence it that same way? I, I don't know. I don't, but it did. So we were screwed. Um, I had pretty much avoided social media today only because uh, I had a lot of work to do and I wasn't about to get into the <laughs> whole it, I, I'm not like ashamed you know I don't care it was just a night game so I got home late uh, and then I had work in the morning so I did whatever if this were a 1 o'clock game that were just as brutal I would have been probably in there and looking at ridiculous stuff but kind of the one thing I saw today was like a lot of the Bobby Johnson's a terrible O-line coach players gotta play 
This team hasn't yeah, had a good I, offensive line since like 2009, right? Um, and we've had several head coaches, we've had several offensive coordinators, and we've had several offensive line coaches. Nothing has helped. Uh, this team, I mean, it's it's like, it's not like guys have regressed or gotten more. It's all the same problems we already knew about are still it, problems because they're still pretty much the same players. You know, like the big thing was like. Unless you're Colorado, you can't rebuild a team in one year. I mean, you have salary cap, you all these different things. And, you know, you can love this front office for all the moves they made, the trade for Waller, you know, the draft, all these different things that, you know, and we, we did try to address the offensive line. We drafted our cornerstone center of the future, but you can't get these guys all in one year. It's going to, you know, it's obviously going to be the major focus of next offseason, whether it's through the draft or we'll have free agent money. I mean, Guard and tackle is going to have to be addressed. And, you know, that's priority one and two. So I don't know. Blaming the front office for that I don't think is really fair. No, I mean, they're blaming the coach, the offensive line coach. Which, by the way, offensive line coaches, that's like the most important assistant coach in the league. There's not that many good ones. There are no. Go ahead and tell me which one you guys want. Because I guarantee you he's got a job already. So and then put I mean, him like on the Jets this year and see how good that coach really is. It's also it, look. I'm not even defending Bobby Johnson. I I'm not going to pretend that uh, like he's, he's some. I don't know anything about him. I don't. I'm not in there. I'm not watching. Well, but like he's been here for two for fucking fans. years. Like it's, it's a very convenient thing for fans. It's, to you know why it's convenient because coach. do you know why it's convenient because the thinking is oh it's just this one guy. It's not five guys out of the problem. It's this one guy. It doesn't fucking work like that. I know you guys want the easy answer. You yeah. want to just bring in some fucking new coach and it's going to fix 20 years of offensive line problems. It's just not going to work. I mean, they, they brought back they... Pat Flaherty, Rob Sale, Dave DiGuglielmo or whatever, fucking Elmo, whatever his name is. All those guys they brought back. Rob Sale's catching a lot of shit down in Florida right now. And would you say it's deserved? Um, No. Okay. I mean, they lost... They lost a guard to the NFL. They lost two guys who transferred to USC, and the starting center was out. Yeah. I don't know how exactly that's offensive line coach's fault. All that happened, but yeah, I'm not like I said. Like I'm not saying that Bobby Johnson deserves to keep his job or that he's a good coach, and you guys are all wrong. I'm just saying it's very easy to just say that when I feel like it's not being discussed. That like, oh, we just sort of knew that this was going to be a problem. Fans think that coaches are playing. Xbox and they are just have joysticks and they're moving players around a board. That's not the way it works. Players have to play. And that's why I go back to my original thing where, again, I am always harder on co- players than coaches because and Casey Stengel won 10 World Series with the Yankees and he lost 120 games with the Mets their first year. He didn't forget how to manage. He didn't have the horses. I've got really nothing else for this game. I don't want to harp on the first game of the year because it's the only thing that we have, so everyone thinks it's the only thing that it is. Uh, and the reality is is that there are 16 more games to be played. Uh, we played a team that we didn't match up well against in, a, in conditions that were not favorable. And, you know, two really bad fluke plays set up a disaster. So I'm not going to excuse it, but I'm also not going to just sit here and be like, well, this is the year. Time to think about baseball. 
which has been already a New York Post line I saw floating around. Get the fuck out of here. Both of those teams suck too. What are you waiting for baseball? For? That that I think that's the punchline. But also, yes. but also, if you're gonna give up on your team after one fucking game, then you're not even a football fan to begin with. So well, half these idiots sold their tickets before the first game, so they're not fans anyway. Boom. I, I I would say what I think this really is. It's kind of a a recalibration of expectations for this team. I think. I'm not I even gonna say think- that. I still think this team's a playoff team. I think this yeah. team can make the playoffs. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I saw the thing. All oh, the last two games against Philly and Dallas, they gave up, oh. what was 74 to 6? Like, yeah, this what? is two games in a row now. No, it's not. The 2022 Giants are not the 2023 Giants. They're right. not. They're different teams. But guess what? And, and also, we're talking about two of the three elite teams in this conference, probably in the league itself. It's like you're measuring yourself. And as much as we were excited about last year, and we we were excited, we had, you know, predictions of ten wins, nine wins, all that stuff. We also tempered it, and we said it a hundred times. I said it right tonight. We are still rebuilding. We were ahead of schedule last year, but that's this front office knows. They know what this team needs to be to really compete, and I don't think there's going to be any shortcuts to get there. And maybe this is a splash of cold water to the fans to say, yes. This team can still make the playoffs. This team can be a pretty good team, but we are not in the same breath as, you know, the Dallas's and the Phillies yet. And that's okay. You know, let's see from now until December how this team improves. And, you know, hopefully Andrew Thomas gets back on the field because if he's gone for a while, that's going to slow growth. But if he's back, let's see how this team develops and, and keeps getting better and better. If it doesn't, well, we'll worry about that next offseason. We'll do we'll do 30 shows in the offseason how we can get better. But let's worry about Arizona next week, who I believe will have a backup quarterback. Yeah, looks like it. Um, so we will be back recording Thursday night for a Friday morning episode where we will follow up on the Andrew Thomas, Graham Gano injuries, um, any other that might pop up, any other news stories. Um. The Giants are currently in last place. Philadelphia beat New England 25-20. Washington edged out Arizona 20-16. We get Arizona next Sunday in Arizona at 425. And Friday morning's episode will preview all of that and all of the week's news. So remember to subscribe. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube, and all other audio podcast apps. Just Giants, remember to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan, and we'll see you guys Friday morning with a much cheerier look on our faces. If nothing <laughs> else, it's it's Tennessee week two, so I'll be I'll be fired up for all sorts of football this weekend. There we go. If he's gonna be fired up, then I have to too. So we will see yes. you guys for Friday fired up Friday. Until then, go Giants. Bye-bye.